an inside look at the restaurant industry and entrepreneurial insight to help you succeed. It's the Paper Trails Podcast with Albemarle Paper Supply. What's going on guys, how are you? Nick Calgary Mitros with Albemarle Paper um, and we are in the Paper Trails Podcast. Hope you guys are having a fantastic day. We are super pumped to have you in for episode 22. Um, of our podcast, and I am uh, I'm thrilled to have um, culinary genius and the guy that makes our to-go boxes look good, uh, Chef Daniel Wheeler, um, as our guest today. We're super pumped to have him. Um, just chat with us for a little bit, and you know his experiences as uh, an executive chef, and his his journey, his career, and um, just more about his background. And so he's got a lot of experience, and I'm uh, I'm excited to have him on. And so real fast though. Uh, we're gonna change it up a little bit. We're gonna have a really quick uh, speed round, some 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 questions we want to ask him off the bat, just so you guys get can get to know um, you know Daniel before we get into his story and his background. And so um, uh, he is the executive chef of uh, Fine and Fettle uh, here in the South Park area. And so, um, but um, I just want to let let you guys know that real fast. But uh, let's do some rapid fire real fast. Daniel, you ready? I'm ready. Okay. What do you hate to cook? Oh my God, probably meatloaf. <laughs> meatloaf, okay, all right. Um, what's the worst thing you've ever ate? Worst thing I've ever eaten is my wife's avocado chocolate brownies. <laughs> Terrible. Avocado brownies? Yeah, <laughs> oh my Terrible. God. <laughs> okay, what's the best thing you've ever ate? Uh, best thing that I've ever eaten is probably foie and grits from the gray in Savannah. Okay, nice. Delicious. Cause that was like, did you know that was a good dish and you wanted to try it? How, how did this, you... um, it's one of those things where we had went uh, actually last year to the gray for my birthday. My wife took me down there and I've been following Mashama Bailey for years down there. And that was one of her signature dishes. And I'm like, I have to try it. First time I tried it, it's like a play on shrimp and grits, but with foie gras, it was absolutely delicious. Was it like beyond what you expected? Oh, yeah, 100%. Nice. Um, worst job you ever had? Uh, working for the state mental institution. <laughs> Why was it so bad? Um, believe it or not, it wasn't the patients, it was the staff. It was just full of drama, nonsense, constant bickering back and forth. Um, yeah, just not a good experience. Yep, gotcha. <laughs> Best job you ever had? Um, probably working for Sean Brock. Okay. Yep. Who is, you know, give us, give us some context uh, for people that may not given, know. Uh, Sean Brock is a James Beard award-winning chef, got known for McCready's Tasting Room and Tavern in Charleston, South Carolina, and I got to spend a stint uh, working for him and learning from him. Which, I, which I know whenever we spoke was, uh, was an experience from oh, what you was, told me. That. It, it, was, it was the best of times and the worst of times. <laughs> yes, it was. Uh, we'll get into that later, yeah. but um, cool. Um, how did you get to Fine and Fettle? Uh, well, the general manager actually approached me, um, Tiffany Tucker. She got, uh, she took this job, I guess, a little over maybe a year and a half, almost two years ago now okay. at this point, and she just started eating her way through Charlotte. Um, and prior to finding federal, I was working at a cocktail bar in Charlotte called Dot Dot Dot, and her and her now husband came in there and ate three or four times and said it was some of the best food in Charlotte. And she kind of Facebook stalked me because. Nobody would ever tell her that I was there whenever she would ask. So okay. she found me on Facebook and sent me a message, and it was kind of creepy, stalkerish. And uh, I was like, <laughs> "Sure, you know, you never turn down an opportunity, right?" Yeah, yeah. So, um, we met at Starbucks in South Park, and hook, we were, line, and sinker. Yeah, that's it. There it is. <laughs> okay, cool. I like that. Um, trend ingredient you're sick of. 
man. What's 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 trending right now? I'm, I'm just curious from your perspective. Do you there certain things that you're seeing even trending food-wise? Not necessarily in the Charlotte area. Okay. Um, and if there is, I think it's more of a. I don't think I have an ingredient that I'm sick of, but I'm sick of chains, trending chains. Like everywhere you go in Charlotte, there's new chains, and it's just not not supporting small business and small companies and local. I think that's more what I see trending is than ingredients per se. 100%, it's funny you say that. You know, I, I run some of my dad's social media because we have restaurants as well. And literally either yesterday or two days ago's post was that. I literally said, support small business, uh, support a big dream. Like that was literally the caption of it with you know some dishes that, that, that we have. And it's like, you know what, you're right. The, 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 small, the small owner puts a lot out at risk, you know, so um, cool, I like that. What cuisine, um, let me see, okay, I, I, we'll finish with this. When you're creating a dish, what kind of experience do you want the diner to have? Anything in particular you want them to have? <clears throat> um, I guess I just want some of the flavor profiles to kind of take them, take them back, take them to a childhood memory, take them forward to what they, what they want to cook next time. Um, like really that. just be yeah. more about the the flavors and the components and them getting the whole dish as a whole instead of like it segmented and broke down. I love that. I love that. That's awesome. Good stuff. Appreciate you doing a little uh, quick round. It's the first time we've ever done this before, so, um, you know, we'll get better at it. But uh, cool. Let, let's get into your background. How did you even end up here at this? I mean, just so you know, we're at the Canopy, yep. which um, is a... It's a Hilton. Hilton. Brand. Okay, yep. I, th I thought it was Hilton. So um, absolutely gorgeous. They just opened up a handful of months ago, maybe six months ago. Six months. Um, and this is where Fine and Fettle is. You guys are, you know, the restaurant here. And um, just so you guys know, if you guys have not been, is gorgeous here. I mean, it it's is... Very beautiful You space. know, I took a little tour of some of the rooms and I'm like, okay, this is super nice. And so, you know, come by. Uh, make sure you guys you guys see Daniel here. But um, how did you end up here? Give us you know get us oh. you know back to where where are you from originally? Give us um, give us your backstory. Well, I was born in Bellflower, California. Okay. Um, I spent the majority of my childhood living in Southern Texas. Uh, okay. Just we had family. Uh, my grandmother passed away. We moved to Texas to kind of live with my uncle. So uh, raised got, raised in Texas for probably up until I was like early teens, and then <coughs> we came to North Carolina because uh, my my uncle had married and moved out here. He was a truck driver, um, and this is kind of where he ended up settling. So we okay. wanted to be closer to the family. Okay. Uh, food, obviously, is a big part of Southern families. It's, you know, you always gather around the kitchen, the kitchen table, or in the kitchen, or wherever. You know, everybody's always eating. Um, but where it really started to hit for me professionally is when I was about 17, 18 years old. I went on tour as a musician. Okay. Uh, playing in a heavy metal band, Canada, Mexico, all the United States tour, everywhere. Traveling. And when I would come off the road, the only way that I could make money was working in restaurants. Okay. Uh, so started out washing dishes in like a little mom and pop diner, moved up to a cook, you know, doing prep work. The, cla those the, the yeah, classic, like, like okay. Uh, never really thought that it was going to be a career for me. I just thought this is a way to make money until I make it big because I'm going to be a huge rock star. Okay. Um, down the road, drugs and alcohol kind of got in the way and that dream kind of fizzled out. Okay. Um, but, you know, food was always still there. You can always find a job in a kitchen for sure. the most part, so that's kind of where. Where, where did you guys settle in particular? In, in North Carolina? Yeah, uh, Western North Carolina. So like okay. between um, between Asheville and Charlotte area. Okay. Um, 
I live now in Hickory, North Carolina, which isn't cool. too far from where nope. I grew up. Yep, yep. Um, so, yeah, like Western North Carolina, Appalachian cuisine is very much a part of who I am. Uh, preserving, canning, making vinegars, all those things I grew up doing. And and Asheville has a very eclectic style of even food, right? Like yes. in, in its own. I mean, I don't, I've, I went there a couple of years ago with my family. Um, I hadn't been to the Biltmore in since I was four, you know, right. like 30 years ago. And we went and stayed for a couple of nights. Um, it was in January. It was so cold. We forgot about how cold it gets up there. But um, yeah, man, there was definitely a huge just natural, or I mean, the, the scene there, the food scene there is, is next level. It's different. Absolutely. There's, so, a, there's a lot of people there that are, you know, winning awards left and white and just doing incredible things in the, the food community. There. Cool. Okay. So, so you, you grew up kind of working, you know, work, working your way up, you're learning, prepping, doing the whole thing. And then like, when did it like, okay, I want to like... I want to go to school for this. Like, I, how, like, when did that even click? Even I, I had been, I'd been cooking for probably eight years before I decided to go to culinary school. Okay. And um, I just thought to myself one day, I was like, you know, I, I don't like anything else besides cooking. You know, there's the hustle and the bustle of the kitchen. It's high adrenaline. It's high stress. You know, I'm, I'm good at it. I, it you, know, there's you have to be a certain, like, you got to be good under stress to be like really good, because it gets crazy. People yelling at you, like just <laughs> constant tickets coming in. Yeah, uh, it's literally the only industry I've ever worked in where you can take a bunch of misfits, like people that would not get along with each other outside of work, and you put them on a line, and all of a sudden it's like harmony. seamless. It's harmony. Like it just, for whatever reason, it works in all the chaos. Is, I, I never thought about that. That is so everybody true. comes together, complete and total disarray as far as like <clears throat> personality traits and like clashes. But when when the heat is on everybody's a team and everybody works hard and everybody has the same goal. I love that. I love that. Okay. So, um, so you decided to go to school, right? Where, where, where'd you go? Um, I didn't go anywhere special. I went to a, uh, community college in Western North Carolina called Caldwell Community College and Technical okay. Institute. And I went through their culinary program there. Um, I graduated with two associate's degrees, one in hospitality and restaurant management and the other in culinary arts. Cool. So, I mean, which actually is a good point. I like that. I like that you said that because I think sometimes people think that they only have to go to, you know, some major culinary school, right? To, right. to become an executive chef and you don't. No, absolutely not. Right? You know, I, I, you know, I thought, you know, uh, maybe share with everybody, you know, what, what you were telling me off camera about, you know, becoming a sous chef or, I mean, like, you know, I, I think this is fascinating. I actually didn't even know this, to be honest with you. You know, tell everybody what you were telling me about, like, how to become an executive chef. Um, it all boils down to experience and learning. Uh, you could become an executive chef with or without a degree. Uh, my personal preference is that if you can educate yourself, you educate yourself, especially when it comes to the career path you want to follow. Um, so and it did good. help expedite my you know, path to become a, a kitchen leader and to becoming, finally having my name <coughs> on a menu. Um, which is a big deal to most chefs when they're in the industry, you know, uh, but it's not necessary You can start off as a dishwasher like I did and through years and years and years of like hard work putting your head down You work for an, a talent a talented chef and he can take you under his wing and teach you about numbers and labor and You know menu development and all those things that are an important part of being a chef that are outside of cooking Yeah, you know, it's just it's uh one of the few career paths that are left where you can start from the bottom and work your way to the top if you Put just your heart just, just from pure work ethic and experience. I love that. I, I'm all about like meritocracy. Like your merit will take you wherever versus 
you know, seniority, you got to wait 15 years, you got to get yep. this degree. I'm like, you know what, like, just, just, just show me what to do, you know, have an appetite, right, for learning, right? And yeah. so I, I, I love that. Um, okay, so you went to school, and then uh, what, how, how, you know, how did that progress? What happened? Um, from there, I became a, uh, a chef de cuisine at a place in Hickory, North Carolina called Highland Avenue Restaurant. It okay. was uh, farm to table. Uh, I've always had a an affinity for local foods, whether it's produce, cattle, chicken. It doesn't really matter, you know. Just the work and the the thought process that goes into growing those ingredients for restaurants and for the markets. You know, I, that's where that's where my heart's laid. Mm -hmm. You know, I just believe I that. if you get it close to home, it's going to taste better. It's going to be fresher, and you know where it comes from. It's sure. not processed. It's yeah. just. It's just pure what it's supposed to be. Um, so working there where we would fabricate whole pigs, you know, quarter sides of beef, um, everything came in whole and we processed fully, cryovac bag, we made our own sausages, we made our own breads, uh, we did had our own pastry program there, uh, which is something that I've pushed the boundaries on because I'm not a pastry chef by any means, but a uh, great place to work. Uh, one of the only places like it in the Hickory area for almost seven years. Um, so. It, nice. it did well. I think it okay. opened up the food scene in that that section of town. How how long were you there for? Um, I was there for about two years. Okay, so like you you think like that's where you got your feet wet and really started learning a as, lot. As far as as far as kitchen management, yeah. Nice. Um, I think I really got my feet wet prior to culinary school. Whenever I was working in Charleston. Um, because I worked for. Oh, so you were in Charleston before you even went to school? Yeah. Oh, I didn't. I didn't know that. Yeah, I uh, I didn't. I went to school very late in my career. You know, sure. most people go to school and then go to work, or they start working and like I want to go to school, so you go to school. Yeah, yeah. Um, me, I had already decided that this was what I wanted to do, uh -huh. but I knew that I needed to get my my skill set up because I've been working in restaurants that weren't necessarily known for the greatest quality or sure. preparations of sure. food. It was just high volume, breakfast food, lunch, dinner, you gotcha. know, almost like, I hate to kind of say it, but like slopping on, on a plate, you know, gotcha. everything too starch in a, in a veg, you know, or whatever, you know, Southern southern food was at the time. So yeah. I said, well, what's the closest food city to me with the, the highest regarded chefs, the best, you know, the best that there is in the Southeast and it was Charleston. And so I just showed up at McCrady's and was like, I work here now. Like, I like, didn't, like, like that? They, they had, like they said, they, they had a process that you went through, you know, that okay. you got to apply and all those things. Okay. And I'm like, all right, so I just moved down to down to Charleston. <coughs> no job, no nothing. No job, no nothing. I just moved and I just started walking in places and like McCrady's was always on the list. And I just walked in and I said, listen, I'm, I want to work here and I'm not going to leave until you say yes. Like I don't even want. You I love. Like I don't I even want you. To, I, I don't can't. even want you. I don't know. Don't. You're, I don't want money. I just want to work here. And so, like, when they realized like internship I style, yeah, like, like I, they, I just want to learn. When they realized that I wasn't gonna leave until they said yes, you're being serious. Yeah, oh yeah, it was 100. percent Like I'm, I'm not leaving until you let me work here. And so they were because, like, because of the stature and the platform and the foundation, right. you knew you could. You know what? There's, there's a lot to that. Honest to goodness, if we have anybody listening to this that is in high school, even in college. I mean, I, I am all, I'll be honest with you, Daniel, like I am all for learning and experience, even at the sake of dollar bills, because I think a lot of people just do something for the dollar, which undermines the learning. Yep. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, you know, um, and so I think when you do it purely for the education with no money attached, 
then you're like a dry sponge. You know, sometimes I've said it a million times. Sometimes you got to take a step back in order to take a step forward. Dude, you're preaching right now. So, you 100%. know, I've, I left. I left a job at the time where I was. You know, this is God. This is over a decade ago. But <coughs> I left a job making you know thirty two, thirty three thousand dollars a year in you Western North Carolina, which was decent money to make sure. to make zero dollars to learn. You know, it's not. It's not about. It is about the money because you got to survive, but it's not about when it comes to the furthering yourself as a human or your career path or whatever the case may be. Sometimes you just got to bite the bullet and do it. Brother, you're preaching, and here's the question everybody's going to ask. How are you able to survive? Here's my answer. You figure it out. It's, it's going to be different for everybody, yeah. but you figure it out because for you, the education was more important than anything. Brother, I love, I didn't even know this. I love that. So I, I lived in my car for the first three weeks that I was there working until, of course you did. Until, you had to, until the guys were like, Hey, do you want, like, you can just split bills with us. And it was literally nine people in an apartment in Charleston with, that's how you do it, man. With one bedroom. That's like how you was, it was a miserable living experience, but it was worth every bit of education that I got. You know, look, bro, look where look where you're at right now. Yeah. It's, it's I love that. I love that. So, um, what, what? I'm I, I'm I'm sorry. I'm so fascinated with this. Why do you think you just had such a desire to learn? Like, what even triggered you, or even I mean, was it just like you know what? I am gonna make this work. Like how? So I think like, like like where was your mindset leaving a full-time secure comfortable job where you got every you know what I mean to go to a city you don't know I'm assuming you didn't know Charleston you no, didn't know it you no. just straight up moved yeah it, it was I wasn't happy doing that I knew that I was never gonna be happy on the path that I was on at the time so I just what's gonna make me happy cooking's gonna make me happy as far as a career you know yeah. at the time no kid, no wife, yep. nothing keeping me yep. in North Carolina. So just yep. go. Yep. Now's the only time that you can do it. Just go, yep. brother. You, so. you know, I'll, 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 I'll interpret it kind of in my words. What you just said, you weren't happy because you weren't chasing your dream. Right? Absolutely. Yep. I, I, I love that so much. You can't even believe. Um, Okay, so so you start work. So they realize you ain't playing. Yeah. You didn't want money. You didn't want nothing. You just wanted to learn. Tell us how long were you there for? Um, I was there for a little, little under a year, maybe right out of here. Okay, it's, it's called McCrary's. McCrady's. McCrady's. Okay, yeah. McCrady. Tell us about the experience there, McCrady's. Uh, so once they realized that I was, I wasn't leaving. I was like, okay, I'm either gonna get a job here, or you're gonna call the cops and I'm going to jail <laughs> on my first day in Charleston. Uh, they decided to say, okay, I guess this guy can work here, and they literally gave me every horrible shitty task that they could possibly give you like what like, like tell, just like, like like picking thyme leaves off stems off like 10 pounds of thyme leaves just so that they could blitz them all up to make a stock or just like you know sweeping scrubbing drains like just just the most unclogging, like anything anything that they could think of that was absolutely horrible and demeaning and just like hazing ritual because they're like we're gonna run this guy off or He's going to be so damn stubborn that we're just going to have to keep him and let him start doing real tasks. Yeah, I love that. Um, and so eventually when they realized that I wasn't leaving, we got to the part to where we would, you know, I would start being like an assistant to the chef de partie. And every morning we would go to the, the, the garden and we would pick and process produce and we would come back to so the restaurant. Fresh. Prep, every, yep, every, every single day, you know, you would go out and you would get, um, they'd go to the market to get fish. 
and you'd process all your fish from the day boats that came in. Um, you'd go to the farm and you'd get produce and you'd process it all day. And at this point, like I was just helping process. I wasn't even allowed to cook anything for service. Yeah. Um, and that in, in itself was enlightening because you get to see it from its raw natural state all the way to the finished product like on a plate. Like an actual whole fish. Yeah, like you're, and it's a- you're cutting it down, you're using the bones for stocks and fumets and like you're doing the whole thing from, you know, from from start to finish. Um, and it was honestly a, a surreal experience yeah. because up until that point, I didn't really ever get to see that type. Like a lot of the times you... Where it was I, already they would, they would yeah they would buy pre-cut pieces of meat and sure. fish so that everything was consistent like this place was teaching you how to do it from nothing and make sure that everything was consistent in size um, I love that so that was a super cool experience and one night um, at the beginning of service Sean fired the grill cook and I was getting ready to finish up for the day and leave and they said nope that's the guy that you're replacing today and I replaced him and dude tell us then, tell us that like um, I mean first off Sean is well respected from what I know yes I mean 100%. this is you know I mean I I didn't even know much about James Beard awards I didn't know but like this guy is a you know I mean I just I just um, one of the last couple episodes that we had was uh, chef Mike Pappas he has a, um, like a bread company now that he's running but he has his own restaurant down in Charleston and uh, he he Without, I don't even think I even, you know, uh, said anything, but I asked about the scene in, in in Charleston, and he brought up Sean's name without me even saying. And I'm not, so like even me putting two two together, I'm like, okay, like this guy, Man, this guy is known. For many years, it was, Sean Brock was like the end all be all of the Charleston community. That's where. Um, the food scene really started to blow up when he won his James Beard, and then what was his, that? Do you remember? Uh, 2010, I think. Okay. Um, and this was like all around the time that I was there, so like it was oh, so just you, a, like it, right was, it was on the come up. He hadn't quite won, but it was like a year oh, so or this two is before pre him getting yeah. the award. So like it was it was all building up and coming, and he was getting all the like local respect, and like he was getting nods and nominations and things like that. Um, so. It was a really cool journey. Um, unfortunately, I couldn't just survive there, so I had to go work at Husk, and I was working seven days a week. And some of it's it was tough, some of it was a blur. But tell me, tell me, tell me about the night that he said, you know, you're what you were just on the grill. What, yeah. Like, like, what, what was that, that like getting that a was, nod from from Chef? That was well, it, it wasn't him because Brock literally ran the pass and like garnished and like yelled at people when he had his exec sue and cdc and they were like all right you're this is this is it because you're either gonna you're gonna make it or you're not like because yeah. if you if you mess up then you don't work here anymore gotcha um and so the grill at the time is like it was like one of those kono grills it's got the, the special charcoal and you got to keep it hot and you're like raising and lowering the the grate to yeah. like keep the meat con- consistent temperatures and things like that um and it was I was sweating bullets. I thought I was like, man, I'm getting fired today. I'm done. This is it. I'm gonna have to pack up and move back to North Carolina. Like I'm done. Um, but I can imagine like the pressure, like, you know, you've been with these guys, like now it's like, yo, now you gotta perform. And like, everybody else that's been working on those stations on that line for ever. however long that they had been there yeah. at the time. Because you know, people rotated out, you know, sure, there's okay. one of those places like 
Sean was one of those people that everybody wanted to go work for. And like once you were there for a few years and you either became a Sioux or a CDC or whatever, or you moved on to another place. Like that's how the industry works. You learn all that you can that's learn yeah. and you, right. you amass yeah. all the knowledge you can from one person and then you move on to the next person and so on and so forth. Mm. And like a lot of those guys there were um, going to work at Michelin star rated restaurants. Like they moved to San Francisco or Chicago or they went wow. to New York to work for, you know, larger restaurant groups that had, you know, more to offer them that you know in their knowledge at sure. the time so it was kind of a big deal got through service i didn't die i didn't get yelled at uh, that day um, but there were many other days that i got yelled at from start to finish you know i mean we all have bad days and yeah. he demanded perfection and you either give it to him or well, what did you learn from that like what did you learn from even this that i mean having thick skin being able to deal with, you know what I mean? Like, is there anything that you can take away from and then give us advice to anybody that maybe is in a job right now that maybe, like, there's a lot to learn, but they just, God, like, I do, I do not, I mean, no one wants to be yelled at, like, you know, but you can learn things from that standard, right? Well, I think, I think anytime you take a beating, so to speak, like, you go home and if you care about what you do, you're going to be hard on yourself. You're going to be like, man, I, I screwed the pooch. Like, I, I don't even know why I do this, but then you got to take that negativity and you got to think, all right, so how do I, how do, how do I become better? How do I say, all right, these are the things that went wrong. You got to be objective and say, all right, it's not personal emotion. Now, now it's business. Okay. I messed up. How do I fix that? So that it doesn't happen again. You know, I've, I've, I've got an addictive personality. You know, I've played in a touring band and way too many drugs and alcohol to say no to at the time. And so I'm a glutton for punishment. So if it hurts, I'm going to go back and do it again. And, you know, there's more about this industry that hurts than is joyful. But to be able to give somebody an experience and them to say, I had a really great time and I want to come back is worth all the hours worked, all the burns, all the cuts, all the getting yelled at, all the yelling at people sometimes, you know, it's uh, it's kind of been a vicious cycle up until this point that we're, you know, finally seeing what I feel is like the light of day and we're able to change all of those or start to change all of those negative kitchen cultures where you're yelling and throwing things at people and you're, you know, feeling stressed out all the time and you have a terrible like work life balance and sure. you know, now I feel like I am paid your dues. Now I'm in a position to where I can provide a more nurturing outlet sure. and job for the guys that work for me. I love yeah. that. I love that. Okay, so so you're there, you're creating, you're learning, you're there for about a year, just get get beat, learn, experience. I mean, okay, so then how, you know, how, you know, what's the evolution after that? Uh, you know, during that time period, it's very expensive to work or to live in Charleston. I mean, sure. the, you know, getting paid $9 an hour to work three and a half, four days a week at Husk, living in an apartment with nine people with one bathroom is just not a very sustainable lifestyle for sure. long term. Long so, term, yeah, exactly. Uh, after a while, I just kind of realized that, you know, I can't sustain this and I can't afford to live on my own. Okay. So I've, I've got to go, I've got to go back. Okay. And so um, at the time, the only place I had to go back was to my mom's. So I came back to Western North Carolina sure. and I just started you know, working in and out of kitchens around the area again, and I realized this isn't enough. You know, it's back to the same old type of food. Sure. I feel like I've, you know, progressed, um, progressed myself and become a little Your experience bit. Was, I expect more sure. from myself and the places that I work at. That's, um, I mean, even that's great. I like that. Having expectations for yourself, I like that. But I also didn't work at places that were 
going to be able to change what they were. You know, you work for people that are not not necessarily chefs, but it might be a 70 year old man who's had the same restaurant for 50 years, and like he's not going to change. He's stuck in his ways. You're not going to make suggestions to him, so you just you deal with it and you take the paycheck until something else comes along. Sure. Um, and that's kind of where after that marker is where I was like, all right, I I need to start thinking about going the to future. School. Sure. Like yeah. what? How do I get myself to a position financially? Oh, that's right. That's right. So that, that, that you can all that's pre school. Yeah. So okay, like, and, right, then, right. and then that's kind of that's kind of what I did. So I was like, listen, I got to get a real job. Yeah. So that I can have benefits and retirement plans and like health insurance and all sure. those things sure. so that I can afford myself the ability to go to school. Sure. So that's kind of that's kind of what I did. Now going to school, like. Were you like ahead of everybody else, like already had the experience, like Brock and all? It, the, I mean, or no? I mean, was, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. As far as as far as the cooking aspect, I don't feel like I really got a whole lot from school. Um, as far as numbers, management, like HR, hospitality, law types of things, like the stuff you need to know as a manager. Um, on the more administrative administrative side of things, I learned a whole lot from because those are things that I had never taken into account at that point. It was just all about cooking, 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 like getting those techniques down and then realizing that it was more about that when you're trying to one, run a business, be a manager, all of those things are just as important as being able to sear a piece of fish or cook a piece of beef to medium rare. You, you can't, you, you have to learn the balance between the two. So I mean, because you could you could be the best chef, but not run the books correctly, and you're yeah. gone. You're right. done. So okay. So school. All right. Um, and, after, then, and then first real job or no? When um, first real job after school, I would probably say was Highland Avenue. Okay. The restaurant um, we just spoke and about. That's, that's where I felt like all right. This is more like what we did in Charleston. Were you? Were you did you learn different stuff? At that restaurant, than McCrady's. Yes, it okay. was. Um, it was a different style of restaurant because McCrady's was a tasting, uh, tasting menu. So it was, you know, coursed out. Tasting menu is like very, very small portions, elegantly plated. Um, everything is perfect every single time, um, no matter what. And you would go like 12, 14, 16 courses. So it would be different plates throughout. They did okay. like wine pairings and things like that. Whereas Highland was more of your standard traditional service kind of you know you come in and you have you have an a la carte menu like you can order sides you can order pizzas you can order you know weekly specials whatever the case is gotcha. going on but it was just all processed in-house from the local farms gotcha. and purveyors okay nice so so you're you're rounding your skills now you've done McCrady's you learned school back-end numbers HR that now you're doing a whole different traditional style restaurant right a la carte menu I like that yeah, um, super. Um, the restaurant at the time was kind of going through a, a, a tough patch. Um, they had seen the numbers dwindle, and so at the time that I took the job there as uh, the sous chef at the time when I first started, the exec chef at the time, um, who I'd never met before, but we come in and I do a stage for Sue. Never seen the menu, never cooked anything on the line, never seen the line before. I'd never been to the restaurant before. And he was like, all right, I'm just going to have you cook some things on the line. It's Wednesday. We got like 20 people on the books. Little did I know that WCNC was coming there to film. He didn't know either. It was something that got lost in translation. And because of such, the owners had invited like 120 people 
to come in at various times throughout that night so that the restaurant looked full. So we went from having 20 covers on the books to doing almost 150 people on a menu that I'd never seen. And it was me, him, and one other cook and a dishwasher. And so when I was supposed to be there for like an hour and a half, two hours, I ended up staying the whole shift, closing down the line, wrapping everything, and then left. And I thought to myself, you know, excuse the, excuse the language, but I was like, if I don't get this job, I'm going to be pissed. You know? Because I worked my ass off for free all night long. I get just it. to get told no. And so he called me back the next day and he's like, how much money you want? And I told him a number and he was like, ah, I can't do that, but I can do this. And that was another one of those things where I was like, sometimes you just got to take a step back, take a step forward. So we came to, uh, we came to an agreement and I was there for about nine months as the Sioux before he took over as the executive chef and general manager. And then I took over as the chef de cuisine and got to see more to more, you know, day-to-day operations, ordering inventories, menu developments, uh, before it was kind of my job to do all the fabrication and come up with weekly specials, but at that point it was more like, hey, now I'm really running the restaurant from a yeah. culinary background because he couldn't do the front and the back of the house at the and, same time. And this was, this was where again? Highland Avenue. Okay, the one in Hickory. Nice. Yep. Um, so after about about two years there. Uh, how, did, how did that service go, by the way, with the 100 of the... It, surprisingly, surprisingly. It went well? Surprisingly. Three of you guys? It wasn't... It wasn't the best service I've ever done, but it also wasn't the worst service I've ever been a part of. So awesome. um, it could have been a whole lot worse, but we, you know, it's kind of one of those things. Again, a bunch of misfits in the kitchen, never met before, and when the pressure's on, you, you just turn it on and you don't stop until the job's done. That's that. a, another exciting reason why I just love this industry. I love, I love that, man. Then what? How does, how does, how do things progress? Um, so I kind of felt felt like I had amassed all of the things that I could do. At that particular sure. at that particular time, which I mean, you've already had some some real experiences. Yeah, um, and this was just more or less really getting into that management side of things, okay. like understanding. And I had done several several charity events here in Charlotte. Um, I'd started to make some really good connections with some some of the better known Charlotte chefs. Um, became Talk about that for a minute, because I think people can learn from that. The, I mean, which I, I I like to keep pounding this in all the podcasts that we do, but networking relationships meeting people uh attending charity events tell everybody listen like there is so much power in that like it's it's one of those things as as a chef i feel like it's my responsibility to give back to the community that gives so much to me on a daily basis not only that i feel like it's our job as a community as a whole to support support our local farms and artisans and you know small businesses and that's why i do those things um, I joined the Piedmont Culinary Guild, which is a local nonprofit that's comprised of brewers, vintners, distillers, chefs, businesses, and like we all say, we all revolve around the same premise: all ships rise. So, like if I'm successful, then you're successful. If you're successful, then I'm successful. And we support everybody's success within the group and without outside the group because it's community. Like. Charlotte, North Carolina, agriculture, hospitality, it all goes hand in hand one way or the other. It really does. Um, and so that's that's one of the biggest reasons that I do any type of charity event or any type of community event that I possibly can is because you're giving back and you're, you're showing that you're just more than a cook. Yeah. Like you care about the things that you're yeah. doing within your community. Um, and in doing so, you meet some really cool people, some other chefs, some brewers, some distillers. Um, and you build those relationships, you get to know the whys and the hows and like what drives people and 
if you're passionate about what you do, those conversations like spark an excitement in you, and you're like, 100%. you're like, I'm not doing enough. I got to do more. Like, I'm super excited. What's the next step? How can I do more? Um, and what's crazy is all of those things always take place on your day off. I.e., today, I'm, today's my day off. Yep. But you know, here we are because this is yep. this is a great uh, a great platform for people to see. You know, the ins and outs and the personalities is to learn more about you and whoever you're interviewing, and it's just. Yep. It's, Which thank you by the way oh, for, for coming in. <laughs> like um, if it if it wouldn't have been for me coming here, I'm sure somebody would have called me and needed something today. So yeah. no, it's um, uh, I mean there there's just so much. I mean you know there, there's the adage it's not what you know it's who you know and I just think people I mean I like my me going to college getting a degree they didn't teach me that like like we I mean I even think in college and culinary school even at your restaurant I mean anywhere you go. Create good relationships. Don't burn bridges. Uh, make sure the owner loves you. I mean, even when you, well, even when you leave. I mean, like you know, make sure these relationships because you never know where those relationships may go. I mean, you may have another best friend. Nothing may happen. You may do business with somebody, right? You, you never know. And uh, Charlotte's food scene in particular is growing tremendously. 100%. It's grown a whole lot over the last five to ten years. It's going to continue to keep growing. You know. We're starting to get national recognition for restaurants and chefs that are in and around this area. And even with all of that, it's still very small. Yeah. Everybody knows everybody. So if Which you, I kind of like. I dig it too because anytime somebody applies for a job, I know somebody who knows that person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. or if my name's on something and this person doesn't know who I am, then all they have to do is ask one or two people and they, they, they know. They, yeah, I love uh, that. And that's that's something I can say about Charlotte versus Charleston or any other place that I've traveled and seen and like talked to cooks or chefs and people in the industry about everybody is super supportive of each other here. Really? Um, it's not one of those things where if a chef walks in here, I'm not going to be like, holy crap. Now we all got to be on our game though, yeah. because one, we should already be on our game, but sure. people legitimately come here to support other chefs in the community. I love that. And that's something you don't see a whole lot of outside of Charlotte from my experience. That's awesome. I love that. I, I, I love that small, I mean, even me working in Charlotte doing uh, the restaurant supplies. Um, yeah, I mean, once you meet the few dozen kind of owners, like you kind of know, you kind of know what you know, like everyone yeah. has a hand or I used to work there, I used to bartend there, I used to be a chef, you know, so uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, so love that. So, um, so explain from the Hickory restaurant how to join up in Charlotte. I mean, I know you said from relationships, charity yeah, events. I started, I started doing events in Charlotte. Um, I did several of them over the course of being in there. A lot of it spawned from my membership with the Piedmont Culinary Guild, which is in Charlotte. And so then I would get asked to come to events and things like that in the Charlotte area. Okay. Um, and I just realized that if I was going to grow myself, I needed to come to a larger platform with that had more resources. Um, so. I actually applied to be the sous chef at dot dot dot, which was rated at the time, and I think might even still be Charlotte's number one cocktail bar. Uh, the chef there at the time, David Quintana, was an, uh, an inspiration to me. I know that he had worked at McCready's at different times. Okay. He had been to New York and worked. Uh, very, very talented chef, uh -huh. um, and I wanted to go work for him. Well, at, something happened during the interview process, and 
Dave ended up leaving to go take another job, a better opportunity for him and his family. Okay. And so they kind of shifted back and they didn't really hire a Sue at that point. They ended up hiring another gentleman that they felt was going to be better suited to run the operations at the time. Okay. Um, I ended up coming in a few months after that as the sous chef for him. Um, and then for whatever reason, they decided to part ways with that gentleman gotcha. and they offered me the executive chef job nice. at dot, dot, dot. And, um, so that was your first executive chef yes, role? Yes. Um, I How took, was that? How was that? I mean, it was, it was, it was a diff. it was a really good experience. Like, I don't want to make it sound bad. It was an incredible experience yeah. because there it is. Like your, your name's on the menu. It's like, you, like it's you, do or die. Like you, if like, every, if everything goes God. wrong, you're, you're, you know, this is Did my you, first platform in Charlotte. So if it sucks, then I'm, I'm over. I got to go tuck tail back to Hickory and never be seen here again, you know? Um, but it, I say it was different because it was a members only cocktail bar okay. that served elevated food. And so to come in after somebody like David Quintana, who set the bar at the top and to be the guy that's like, all right, now you got to meet or exceed that level of expectation with not only the, the customer base, at the time they had 11,000 members. So you got to prove to 11,000 members that you're doing the same type of food and the same quality of food. Wow. And then you also got to impress the ownership that are well-traveled. You know, they've, they've worked for, they've worked in restaurants their whole lives. They've been a chef and now they're a bar owner or they've been in, you know, huge big time hotels is like food and beverage directors or GMs of restaurants. Like they know what quality is. So like now you got to live up to that. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was pressure. Yeah. But I think the hardest part about it was staying up until 1am serving food. Um, other than that, it was a, an incredible experience. And uh, I was lucky enough to get some nice recognition by some food writers and some magazines in the Charlotte area. And that's kind of, I think, what ended me up here at Fine and Fettle. Nice. I love that, man. I mean, it's, I feel like your story is so um, just, just, you know, work hard, take a couple steps back, work hard, figure stuff out, learn, learn. I mean, like, like, um, you know, I, I, you know, I just didn't know all that. And I just think, you know, I feel like, I feel like for all the viewers listening, um, people think like success is like a straight line, like A to B. And it's like, it's just not, I mean, like, not saying like I'm the most successful, but I, I just paid attention and learned from people's stories, which is why I, like, I keep asking about your story and how it, it, it is, it's, it's, you get off this exit, you go, you veer back on the interstate, you get off, I mean, it's, success is so zigzagged you keep the eye on the prize and you know where you want and you keep you know uh doing the little things um and and you keep having the best expectations for yourself I mean, there's so much from what you just said your story um i just love it that was i mean what a story and like now look at like you're here man yeah it's uh i how how long of a journey was it from the the from when you started with from when you moved to charleston to right now um probably seven years i'd probably say seven well let's see charleston it's been well, we're in 2020 yeah boy at times this feels like an eternity year yeah. um that's probably a decade so, i mean listen people people think success success overnight Success takes about five or ten years. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's it's not a one way street. You're gonna get up and get knocked back down, and get up and get knocked back down again. I mean, 
anybody will tell you if it was easy everybody would be successful 100 percent. the people that are successful are the people that keep getting their ass beat and they keep getting up and it's you know it's like it's the fight every single day is getting up and standing up for yourself and what you believe in until you get to a point that you're happy and i think for me um about the time i become complacent in a job is the time it's time for me to to move my career path and shift it because complacency equals laziness in my opinion and so that's why in the industry a lot of people they every couple years they they go find a new job somewhere because they've amassed all the knowledge they can yeah and you get stuck in a box because every single concept is different like yeah. when you become a chef it's not about the food that you want to do necessarily it's about the concept of the business and like how do you provide the style of food that you want to within the necessary constraints of the business that yeah. keeps it successful yeah so it's every day, every day you learn more and more. I love that, man. This was absolutely amazing, for real. I'm not just blowing smoke right now. I think, I think, uh, I, I just, you're right, man. Success is not easy and it takes time and you gotta be patient and you have to sacrifice. I mean, like there's so much that you can take from this chat that we just had that like, if I, I just pray people apply some of these principles that you talked about delayed delayed gratification and sacrifice and learning you know for the for the good of personal growth i mean even what you just said right now i mean you know if you're not if if you've grown as much as you can in your current position change it up man like you got like you can't like or else you'll be there i mean what do they say the definition of insanity doing the same thing over and over and expect different results i mean like if you stay there 10 more years things may not change I mean, they may, but they may not. You know what I mean? So, um, any last piece of advice to all of our listeners? Any thoughts um, about the industry? About just just moving on their career, going from a dishwasher to now an executive chef to of an amazing uh, fine and fettle the canopy rent, you know, uh, hotel. Any 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 thoughts? A uh, couple things. One. You got one life to live and it's yours only. If you don't go after what you want, you're never going to get it. 100%. Um, two, support local. Local produce, local agriculture, local business. Um, those are That's really what keeps every single community um, unique in its own right. And then, really, come eat some food. Find and federal um, inside the canopy by Hills South Park. We'd love to feed people. Support these guys. Come by. If you guys have not come to the Canopy Hotel, stay. Uh, I mean, a great date night. You know, uh, just come hang out. You know, eat some amazing food. Um, and I love all that. I, I, I love that. I mean, you know, you, you, I mean, it's so cliche, but you do only have one. <laughs> like, this, like, this is it. Like, That's it. Wh- what are you going to do with it? You know, maximize it. And then I love the support local. I mean, we were, we were talking about that before. You know, we're filming this beginning of December. And, um, you know, coming out of Thanksgiving, it's been a little slow just in general for restaurants. You know what? We will dig out of this from local support. That's it. Always. So, uh, appreciate it, man. Yeah, man. Thank Daniel, you. It was awesome. Appreciate you guys. Hope you guys enjoyed uh, the, uh, the podcast, Paper Trolls podcast. If you have not, listen, if you have not, if you enjoyed this kind of content, and you have not liked, subscribed, shared, uh, do it. Um, we really appreciate your support. And like I said, stop by these guys and check them out here in South Park. And uh, we'll see you guys in the next episode. Thank you guys so much. Have an awesome day.